Hello, you're listening to The Short Story, the daily podcast that will help you make sense of what is happening in STOs and crypto assets. My name is Stefan Lösch. Hi, so today I'm here with uh, Thomas Barker, who is my go-to guy for any technical questions that I have, especially in the blockchain space. He is an independent uh, engineer who's writing software both for big banks and for small techs, and who has been in this space for a long time. Hi, Thomas. Hello. All right. So today we want to talk about cactus because last week, I believe, or something around the 13th of May, uh, cactus has moved from the Hyperlab Jalad. Uh, labs to the Hyperledger Greenhouse, uh, Cactus being formerly known as the Blockchain Integration Framework, um, which is probably one of the most important technologies that you have never heard of. Um, so, Thomas, first question. What is the Cactus project? What is the Blockchain Integration Framework around about? So I, I sort of struggle with how to characterize this because in a sense, it, it's not some cool, funky, um, new branch of technology or great advance. And it's also something that if you do blockchain proof of concepts, um, small projects, etc., it's something that you actually see quite a lot. Um, I would have said that Cactus is essentially a, a chat bot for blockchains. A what? A chat very, box? A oh, chat, a chat bot box. for blockchains. <laughs> okay. It has an identity of its own. It sits on one or more networks. It will listen out for messages and it will try and respond to them with sensible messages of its own. And from that basic framework, you can then build out behaviors such as performing asset transfers. Um, okay, but let's, uh, I think we're, we're going a little bit uh, backwards. Okay. So the first step, so what, so, so Cactus is middleware. And I mean, everyone who worked in banking IT knows that middleware is like where 90% of the budget is. So Cactus essentially allows blockchains, different blockchains to communicate with each other and also to communicate to each other, right? That's sort of the basic functionality of Cactus. Yeah. So Cactus doesn't directly integrate together different chains and different DLTs in the sense of creating a single consensus mechanism out of multiple ones. What it does is it will look between the different consensus mechanisms and it'll pass um, signals or states um, from one to the other. Now it does involve you having to trust the cactus node that does this but you could have multiple cactus nodes that cooperate so for example if you have a supply chain where you're using a very fast system internally and a much slower one on the outside you might have multiple cac cacti i'm making air quotes <laughs> but i'm sure that's what they'll call it uh, and one of them could be held by yourself one of them could be held by a business rival um, one of them could be held by a government entity and you might use that as a common resource to enable that so what you say, a cactus node is sort of a normal Ethereum, Bitcoin, whatever, Tezos node, whatever uh, blockchain they're running on that has a cactus plugin 
enabled for communication. Is this uh, what I... Um, so a, a cactus node is an entity in itself. It's basically just a JavaScript program and it would communicate out to an Ethereum node or a Quorum node or a Hyperledger Fabric node to actually do the interaction with the consensus mechanism itself. It holds its own keys, but because it's a generic framework, it doesn't actually try and run all of those things inside of it. Okay, so you're just saying this important so, to hold its own keys, so it's just sort of, it is almost, it's a little agent that can sit there, receive and observe the blockchains and receive and send messages uh, between them, yeah? Something along those lines? Yeah, exactly. So, for example, in, the, in a, like, in, the, in like a, a social group that I'm in, we have a, a giant Slack for everybody, and there is this um, little AI robot that just sits and listens to everyone's conversations and then impersonates a random person with a Malkov chain every week. And that's the kind <laughs> of thing that Cactus does. It will sit on the channel and perform certain functions and cactus will sit on multiple channels and perform functions across them so for example if you were to go out and sign off that you know a particular shipment of beef was stored at such and such a temperature for such and such a time signed off by such and such a person you might use one or more one or more cactuses to take that information off of say a, a corporate consortium fabric chain and move that onto the public Ethereum ledger um, so that retail or, or regular people would be okay. able to see that and interact with it. Okay, so the topic of this podcast is more in the SEO world. So in financial services applications, I would have thought that one of the key things is just moving tokens from one, one chain to the other, and the other one would be atomic swaps. Is this sort of the, the things that, we, that, that this is good, that Cactus could work well for? Absolutely. And people have been doing this kind of thing on an ad hoc basis for quite a long time. So you could look at, say, um, the proof of authority bridge, uh, which was done by the people who built the proof of authority, um, proof of authority chain, uh, which is essentially which a Which is just load. an Ethereum chain, right? It's, it's just it's, an Ethereum, Ethereum chain that runs with a proof of, with, with like 10 nodes or whatever. Yeah. So it's ultra it's, cheap to run. It's, and it's an Ethereum chain that runs quickly because you just have to trust a, a group. I think it's 21. Um, certified um, no yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you run it through 25 um, certified um, public notaries that's the word okay uh, in the US so it runs much much faster but of course it, it itself has no liquidity so they built a bridge that locks the tokens that so there's a mirror of their token on the public ethereum network Mm -hmm. It exists there. So you can send your tokens between the proof of authority network and the public proof of work chain. And if what happens is that you lock them on one chain, you put them into a contract that freezes them. There's then a number of instances of this bridge that look at the lock tokens. And if they see that you move them in with your key on the source chain, on the target chain, they will mint a corresponding number of those tokens mm. that you can then move around and they will mint those tokens to your key because you can use the same key on both chains. Okay. And so if you want to use say ESC20 style tokens on both chains, you essentially would need an ESC20 contract on both chains and Cactus would be sort of 
would be the one who is observing that well you lock them in one and then this means you can sort of the other ERC20 uh, one yeah. can can reissue them to your uh, your same key or a different key Cactus can just sort of uh, yeah, change your identity on the other uh, key if you want to I mean that's absolutely so it's I mean there's a question of like if you maintain the key because Cactus is is a like a pluggable chatbot so it'll do whatever you code it to do and if you want to enable very sophisticated behaviors between chains you'll have to trust it more and if you want to do very simple things like token transfers you can actually set the smart contracts on both sides to be highly restrictive so the only thing that the cactus can really do is countersign transactions and pass them on mm. if the whole network were to disappear or go rogue, they wouldn't be able to steal your funds. All that they'd be able to do is simply refuse to propagate the transactions through onto the other chain. And so um, let's talk about atomic swaps. So if you want to atomic swaps being sort of you have an asset that lives on one chain and an asset that was on the other chain and you want to exchange them. Yeah, so I, I give me mine, I give you mine, uh, you give me yours but we want to make sure that either both, both parts of the transaction happen or none of them. This is what is uh, generally referred to as atomic. Again, Cactus is, uh, is a tool for doing that. So to, to get an atomic swap to happen, um, all, that you, all that you need in a chain is the ability to lock a transaction for the predetermined period of time and to lock a transaction or predetermined number of blocks. Uh, and to lock a transaction based on the pre-image of a hash. So you commit to a secret, if that secret's revealed, the transaction can go through. So you end up creating a transaction on one chain um, that needs unlocking with that secret and a transaction on the other chain that needs unlocking with that secret. And then the person who put the initial transaction through sends out the secret, and then both of them move forward or neither of them do. So they'll either both complete, although both reverse, providing that there's no way of censoring both one or the other of the chains, which is a fundamental assumption you make. Um, there okay, are so let's just go through this again. So I think so. So what you do is essentially for, for these kind of things, you have what you refer to as an hash lock and a time lock. Um, yeah. The time lock is just simply to make sure that, well, we agree to a transaction, but somehow one one side doesn't follow through, the whole thing just gets reversed and nothing happens, so the funds are not uh, permanently locked. And the interesting thing is really the hash lock. And with the hash lock, what you said is uh, both parties agree that the transaction goes through if someone presents a piece of data that hashes to a known hash, correct? Yes. And we know that, well, the whole point of hashes is that pre-image attacks um, are meant to be impossible, i.e. it is impossible to find, uh, find pre-image that hashes to a, certain, um, uh, to a certain hash. So um, the, the only reason why you know the pre-image is because you, both of you kind of agreed on it, or both of you sort of uh, knew it by the time you did it, and plus the other thing is that um, the pre-image, once it has been presented, it is known, so once you present it on one side, everyone can present it on the other side. Exactly, because the property of a blockchain is that everybody sees the same thing. So if I come up with 
with like a large random number and I hash it. And I give, and that's the, the large random number is the pre-image and I give you the hash. And we both put through transactions that are dependent on revealing that pre-image, right? I can't pick up my side of the transaction and have that process without that pre-image entering one of the blockchains and therefore being known to you so that you can pick up your side of the transaction. And, and this is a relatively common, relatively common primitive. It's used for say the lightning network. Uh, and there are wallets that will do that between um, uh, different networks already. You probably wouldn't run something like Cactus uh, just as an individual for your own purposes, you would probably rely on something that was built into a wallet or a tool that was provided to you on the internet. But if you're looking at doing a large scale integration, say if you were a company that ran a network on Corda and you wanted to move that through into the liquidity that was available on the Ethereum network, um, you might well try and set up a, a consortium of cacti um, that would handle that bridging backwards and forwards and hash locks are a mechanism that you would probably use. Okay. So that's really sort of the, um, so uh, as we said at the outset, so Cactus is really sort of this middleware thing. It doesn't really do anything, but it allows you to create the pipes that allow you then to do stuff on the certain chains. You still might need smart contracts on all the chains that you were operating. Of course, you need to integrate it into you also need to integrate it into a chain as in, uh, in a node. It somehow needs to be able to, to sit on a node. It needs to be able to identify the chains. Um, and one thing is it also has libraries, right? So you can sort of over time, more and more problems will be solved and you just don't have to re reinvent the wheel um, all the time. Absolutely. Like Cactus is a way of sort of industrializing all of the strange little shims and um, side processes that people find that they need to write on every single blockchain integration project. So there will be a module whereby which you can you know, sign on behalf of a user who needs to identify themselves conventionally with a username and password. That's already planned. There'll be modules about moving tokens from one sort of network to another. Um, propagating information around. And there are already examples of all these things existing. The great thing about Cactus is that you don't have to go back and write yet another one of these things. You can just take something off the shelf, plug it in, and only do the very small parts that are unique to your particular project. You know, it's the kind of thing, really, that you're going to write. If you're Fujitsu and Accenture, and you have teams of people who have to do this sort of thing, you know, every five or six weeks and they just get bored with it and decide they're <laughs> going to solve this problem in, a, in an organized way. Which and does make yeah, it exactly. It is Xander and Fujitsu who did then just sort yeah. of said, look, let's, we might as well open source it, right? So we, exactly. we have written it enough time. Let's just everyone use the same framework. And then, because obviously also you can't have like hundreds of those different frameworks because then you also get the complexity. Then you need to think how Cactus interoperates with another framework and whatever. And you just sort of look. Let's all use Cactus and that's it. It's like, like, it's like let, let's all use HTTP or whatever, right? Sort of the same kind of idea. Yeah. I mean, I think in a sense that the press release sort of oversells it as being a, like, 
a protocol or something that creates seamless communication as a technology advance. But at the same time, in, as a practical person who's doing development work, it's actually more it's actually more exciting as just being a way of automating away all of these annoying repetitive development tasks that you get when you bridge stuff together. So it is really um, blockchain meets big banking. So somehow we, we finally exactly. get the big banking IT back into, uh, into the blockchain world, which while I find actually rather exciting because it means that blockchain grows up and is actually be able to, to be used in the areas where uh, when, where at the moment banking uh, banking dominates and banking systems dominate. Exactly. It's a, a way in which you finally have a structure in which you can take your big Windows Active Directory server um, or your you know 15-year-old general ledger system uh, and there's a simple fill-in-the-blanks way of connecting that through to a new and shiny blockchain world. All right, Thomas, thank you very much. I think we probably already went a little bit over the allotted time. So uh, reminder, so I was with Thomas Barker, a software engineer, and you can learn about more, more about Thomas um, in the notes if you want to hire him or if you just uh, need advice or whatever. I'm sure you can just sort of look him up and uh, see, uh, see where he is. Thank you very much, Thomas. Absolutely, anytime.